0: Want to become an AI trailblazer in the product world? Pragmatic Institute's newest workshop, AI for Product Professionals, is your ticket to generative AI mastery. In this hands-on training, learn to master ChatGPT GPT and prompt engineering to transform your product strategies, rapidly create content, optimize workflows, and make razor-sharp product decisions fueled by data. Don't just keep up with the AI revolution, lead it. Seats are limited. Enroll today at pragmaticinstitute.com slash workshop.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Product Chat series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other market and data-driven professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Rebecca Calagres for Pragmatic Institute and your host for this episode. Today, we have one of our instructors. And not only just one of our instructors, but one of our instructors that I've had the privilege of being in the classroom several times and every time learning something new. So welcome, Cindy Cruzado. It is a pleasure to have you on. Well, thank you, Rebecca. And we're going to talk about a passionate topic of mine. So I'm excited
0: and very excited for today.
1: All right. For those who haven't had the privilege of being in a class with you and maybe not familiar with you, I'd like to start with like, what's your origin story? Like if you were a superhero and your superpower was products, which I happen to know it is like, what is the origin story that got you so passionate about what you do?
0: Well, you know, I moved countries and did that a couple of times as a youth. Canada, to New Zealand, to the South Pacific, you know, in general, to the United States. And that just gave me a bigger perspective on life, you know, not just one place. So that is a big core to who I am. But I did biochemistry and very logical and thinking, process thinking. And when I decided I'd grow up and get a real job after college, (laughs) I threw myself into the first thing going on, and it was technology. Everywhere <laughs> I turned, there were startups galore in the East Coast area. And my first job was technical support, supporting these products. That didn't last long and went right into product management. And I haven't stopped since I started when I was in my mid-20s. And you know bringing just a set of skills from biochemistry into this new kind of a field and learning as i go and that's that's really core to who i am i can't stop learning i'm very curious and and i think that makes for a good product person
1: i think it's why well, i was just talking about this on a on a different episode about such an important part of a good product manager is the level of curiosity you have Mm-hmm. And now everybody here knows that the official education path to be a product manager is biochemistry. <laughs> no, but it is. I mean, I think people sometimes as product managers, like, Oh, my, my path is very unusual. I have this different background. And I, yeah. and I think the is everyone's path is unique yeah. and unusual. And I think it is often the curiosity, the sort of, you know, strong person with, you know, really curious at how things work and also really collaborative, right? Like those are, those are the kind of things I think about when I think like, ah, that person may think they're studying this to do something in that field, but I bet, I bet they will come this way. And if they do, they will be really good at what they do.
0: Yeah. I I have actually hired a salesperson, somebody who had a pharmaceutical background. They turned out to be one of the best product Mm -hmm. managers. They had no marketing or business background, but they brought exactly what you just said that curiosity, that collaborative, and great gift of gab. Yes.
1: Okay, so you today as an instructor, you travel the world, both in person on planes and remotely to teach product managers like all over the world about what it takes to be a good product manager, what it takes to be a good product marketer. And often I think when people think of product management who aren't in the field, right? They're very kind of thinking about maybe B2C products that they've heard of. Like, oh, who's the person who invented the iPhone? Or, you know, you're in B2B. It's like, well, you know, someone's behind Microsoft Excel and you either love them or you hate them, but you know, there's people down there that are like working on things. But you and I were talking and, and you were like, I have this topic I really want to talk about. And that's because there's not a small, it's not an insignificant portion of our customer base mm-hmm. who do internal products, right? Where their products aren't going to market, but they build products that are used by the rest of the organization. Uh, And at this thinking about what is the same and what is different if you have an internal product, how do the sort of approaches we talk about alter and Mm -hmm. why it's still so important to have that product management function in an internal product.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. And I, I think also the world of written and spoken product management advice where there is a lot does focus on those commercial products. And, you know, maybe starting with just, what is the difference? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Or, you know, for the familiar external product, yeah. it's a product that a team builds and makes available for those outside the organization, you know, Facebook, it's better, right, as a product. When I think about a service, Amazon Prime is an example mm-hmm. of a product, it happens to be a service, and we, you know, we could, we could go on. But with an internal product, the focus is not on those external commercial customers, but on business users and working with business users to figure out problems, prioritize, and and craft solutions. And for many, the role is more project management today. Mm. Mm And more IT focused, in fact, where they sit in the organization and just feels really different. Therefore, it must be different and not a lot of advice. So a lot of people have questions And, and a student recently said they were having a really hard time figuring out their world because it felt like conflicting information. They were in an operations role. They were managing an internal product. It was actually a data product for an algorithm that was driving their sales engine, their marketing engine. And they said, am I a project manager? Mm-hmm. Am I a product manager? And they were getting a lot, of, a lot of guidance. And they straight up said, "You know, I don't do user research of my job description and I don't do pricing. And so that was their perspective. It was wonderful training um, with them. I had another student go in you know, a completely different direction said that their product was a third party tool. It was an expense mm. reporting system. So they weren't actually building it, but they had to drive configurations and adoptions to get employees in the company to use it. And, you know, that was, uh, they were sent to pragmatic training. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, also from a more executive perspective also here uh, with a, with a lot of folks um, that there's transformation that they are doing and uh, digital transformation. Mm-hmm. and, Uh, you know, wanting to transform their project management team from uh, trying to get on top of this list in a very reactive way of things that they've got in their backlog. You know, that could go on for years if they tried to tackle all of it and try to think about it in a different way. And the question was, is that classic project management or should it be product management? You know, just a a whole lot of swirling around those. Uh, and, And I think it's a really interesting you know, perspective from, from students.
1: And I think you're right. I mean, I think and when you look at both a lot of our thought leadership and a, and a lot of other people's in the area, it, there's a definite bias towards sort of external products. Um, and also the language we use mm-hmm. tends to be focused on the, on the external side and the type of measurements used there. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think sometimes, again, that's why there's those translation questions in the classroom. Yeah. is students are trying to try to, uh, to bring those two things together and understand how the concepts uh, that may be described this way or the example here fits in with their yeah. their feeling different world.
0: There is. There's another, I wouldn't call it a myth around mm-hmm. this. You know, first of all, the myth that, that internal product management is different to external product management. And, and it truly, you know, in my world, it, it is a myth. There are differences, but it is a myth. Uh, but there's another one for those, uh, you know, product teams who are, you know, individuals who are young and new and kind of moving into this great, great role. They sometimes think it's a little unglamorous. Mm. Who wants mm. to work on an internal product? Uh, and I think along with that comes this feeling that uh, if they work on an internal digital product, they're not going to get the same amount of experience in their career as if they were working Mm. on an external product. So I I think there's that, that desire that maybe pulls them away from thinking about product management on an internal product. But at the end, at the end of the day, you know, as we like to say here, um, uh, you know, a product uh, is a solution that you're offering to many customers, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: no matter if it's, an expense reporting system or it's the next biggest service around payment solutions. Um, uh, you know, we we tend to arbitrarily put these categories around it. Uh, so uh, it's a good starting point anyway.
1: Yeah. So you talked about a couple of myths, right? That it's different. And I'm with you. Like, again, I think it's easy to it's easy for us because this is what we do, if that's fair, right? To draw the comparisons and the translations there. And what we want to do is help everyone else. But, but you can yeah. see that the same sort of process and the same sort of steps, the same sort of framework to your thinking and approach, that same little, the mm-hmm. same sort of uh, market driven decision making is important in both. And that it is, I think you're absolutely right. There's the other myth that it's unglamorous, that I'm not going to learn the same amount, right? Are there other myths that you've run uh, up
0: against with students? Well, you know, I think it is, um, what is my role? Mm. Uh, I'm not called a product manager. I mustn't Mm. be a product manager. We all know that, you know, titles are a mess. Uh, It's the job that we're doing and, and the value that we're creating at the end of the day that makes us truly a kind of a product manager. You're not managing things in a backlog that's just stuff we are working with an end-to-end vision where we're thinking mm. that we could be doing that with any type of product physical digital internal externally facing a portfolio that has a bit of it all kind of wrapped mm. together um, you know that's that's the reality of the way it comes together
1: That's an interesting truth, too, that in in some companies, you have both internal and external projects. And I suspect that that comes with its own Mm -hmm. additional set of challenges when you're talking about prioritization, right,
0: Uh,
1: and some other pieces. But it's right. It's not always one or the other.
0: Yeah. I also know that products evolve, right? There's a Mm -hmm. a classic example here with Basecamp. Um, Mm -hmm. They originally created that product uh, Mm -hmm. early, late 90s, I, I think. But Jason Freed uh, and his co-founders originally created that as an internal project management tool to do their work uh, and keep, keep them efficient. But as time progressed, they saw an opportunity in the market and they modified Basecamp into a true software-as-a-service type of a, of a product. So I think products also evolve over time. You mm-hmm. think about, you know, on-premise to cloud. Uh, software as a service to platform as a service, and I think those shifts often, you know, get get folks a little bit confused on what whether they're doing project management uh, and and how they should be thinking about it. I think what's interesting is also what leadership is looking for. Mm, definitely, um, talking to you know to to a lot of uh, leaders, they're. Uh, you know, focusing in on creating value for their customers, but also increasingly looking at transformation in the organization to be more efficient in the way that they're serving those business users. And, you know, it is a transformation they're expecting for these internal project, program, product, managers, whatever the title is, From this really high-touch kind of IT model where, um, you know, you would uh, go to the business and departments would tell you what they want you to build, uh, to a much more proactive and outcome-based model where you're almost managing a service on behalf of the the business units. And that's a shift in thinking. That's a shift in uh, in, in how we get things done. Um, it leads to a lot of differences in how those project managers or product managers internally are working. Um, You know, saying no, a lot more Mm. thinking a lot more about the value over a longer period of time, not just the thing they got done this week. Um, Thinking more about value rather than deadlines and, and dates of of specific features and functionality or configurations, um, and partnering more with those business leaders. So, so there is a push from leadership also to transform thinking, um, internally. I think it's actually, there's a rise in product management thinking for internal teams.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that's really interesting too, because I think sometimes leadership for this type of product isn't is also not thinking about it in the classic product management sense. Maybe, you know, they don't have product management experience or in their organization, right? So there's a, a level of education as someone who's filling this role mm-hmm. in helping leadership, um, which is, again, something that Cindy, you know, also talks to leadership teams about, but, but helping them understand what they, sounds strange, what they really need of this group to do. What they really want, what they should protect this group to be able to them to do and how they should empower this group internally to Mm -hmm. deliver it and how that Mm -hmm. will actually deliver the end results that they're looking for.
0: Yeah, there are key things I hear repeatedly from leaders around this. One is to, you know, move from reactive N equals one, as we like to say, Mm project-based thinking to more outcome-based thinking N equals many. Uh, And to be the interface with the business, rather than just order taking. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and uh, it, and and by the way, that's not an that's not an insufficient uh, you know small shift in thinking. Right, because there's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of conflicting different stakeholders. But I remember a uh, a leader in the banking industry was talking to, uh, you know, to us about training their teams uh, and and kind of brought this uh, this pretty common way that I'd heard before of, of talking about this shift. And they said that today the people that you're going to be training are more like waiters in a restaurant. And our customers are coming in and placing their orders and they're taking those orders over to the kitchen and that's the development team or IT. And, and then they're bringing out the the food and they, everybody assumes that they'll get it fast. And there's an unlimited number of people, right. uh, no matter who's in the restaurant, and that they're going to get things done. And so they, that was a really great way of, of kind of describing that, that mentality. But they, what they want is to shift from that thinking to ruthless prioritization, more of a needs assessment and thinking about uh, the outcome we're getting to um, and uh, having even a vision, uh, no matter if it's a product that is a third party tool you're configuring or, you know, something that's driving the processing of orders within order to cash within the business or uh, you know, managing customers and helping the front desk do it. No matter what what you're working on, there's a vision that you're delivering and there's value that you're delivering. So, but there's a real challenge in getting to that. There's there's a big, big it in the way. Um, and that's the way the organization's culture is uh, is driven. Imagine a, one of those product managers trying to go up against an executive leader that says, I need this by next Friday. Right. And, and And kind of trying to shift the thinking. It's impossible to do on an individual basis. So this leadership was, was an example of a company really partnering to create a different culture so that they can get to where they want to go here.
1: And then to be successful, there is a lot of, of, you know, ideally it's empowerment from the leadership of the product management team. Sometimes we all know we've got to, we've got to work our way into that, but it is a, a, I mean, there's always politics to this, but in here it's, it adds another, it, a layer a little bit of the complexity because it is going to take all of these internal parties. Yeah. Uh, and understanding that how they work, right? Truly what what you would do here is going to affect here. And also to your said point, the the bigger vision to make sure we're not just answering the need that that, you know, we're not building the report that they ask for or the feature they ask for. We're solving the problem that the organization is having and, and yeah. making sure there's that long vision of where to go. And then you know, we're going to do this successfully, that we're also going to communicate that along the way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about the expectations are changing. So these, these folks, you know, kind of um, thinking about product management being introduced to it, are looking at the jobs that they're doing and saying, am I really doing that? Mm -hmm. Um, But they're being asked to think differently, work differently, right? The core pieces, no matter what organization seems to be around, uh, you know, thinking about outcomes, interfacing with the business, ruthlessly prioritizing, um, and getting into uh, being able to talk about what they're doing rather than the bits and bytes and the details, but more in the, how we're gonna help you be more competitive, how we're gonna help you be more efficient, how we're gonna help you respond to the market you know, much different terminology mm. and way of thinking, but also interfacing. Um, mm. And it takes time to, to get there, but that's leadership's expectation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we've talked about some of the myths and I think one of the myths we talk about really is that it, what you need to do is, is the same, right? Mm-hmm. You need to understand your users. You need to, to, Uh, prioritize ruthlessly. You need to communicate to all the stakeholders. You need to uh, make sure everyone understands the vision of the problem we're solving, right? All of these things are similar. I've got to, you know, you don't think of go to market, right? Because you're not launching it in the market, but you need to communicate in the same way, right? And you need to to get buy-in of the time when you're releasing it. You need to Uh, make sure that the logistics work and everyone knows what to do. So there's, there's so many similarities, but I also know from talking to you, there's some really key differences. Yeah. Um, I I mean, again, I think fundamentally it's the same, but, but that doesn't mean that there aren't some differences that
0: we should respect and acknowledge. Yeah. Yeah, there is, there is. I will say that uh, terminology gets in the way of thinking Mm -hmm. about these jobs uh, in a way. So, but, but, Number one key difference is the customer is an internal employee, a colleague, an internal user. When we think about that word customer, uh, you know, if if it's a if, if I have folks who are in class who are managing internal users, I'll spend a lot of time making sure that they're seeing and understanding the difference, mm-hmm. um, and you know, we are. At the end of the day, no matter what type of a product, internal, external, we are working on, we have to deliver the value that that customer needs the most. But they are employees, um, so that that is that is one key shift. The value chain around that is also different, mm. and and we we're, we're used to talking about business to business, business to consumer, or business to business to consumer, but in an internal world. It's often vendor to customer to user. When I when I go back to that example of most recently of a student that said they were working on a data uh, data model, um, you know, changes for an algorithm. Their customer was the operations leader in the marketing organization, but that marketing uh, operations leader was. Uh, taking what the product, uh, the updated algorithm and enabling it for the end users who were driving pricing on an hourly basis in their, um, in their uh, commerce site uh, for the end users who were customers. And so, you know, it, again, it's terminology. It is a, at the core. You are, you have a customer, you are solving a problem for them. And in this case, the problem is helping end users find the price that they need in the moment that they need it. Mm -hmm. So it's understanding that value chain. I often get questions. Who do I research? I don't have, I don't have customers or I don't have access. Somebody else does that. And they just tell me what to go do. So it's kind of getting that, that mindset. It's different because of the terminology and the value chain.
1: That makes that's sense. really true. Even even in in when there's less vendor, if it, it's a straight internal, like you talked about the front desk version, I think it's a great example, right? Uh, the buyer and user are still different, which is 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 the same problem that we have an external products, but it comes across a little different, right? Because you yeah. you don't necessarily like think of the stakeholder as a buyer versus yeah. the person who's actually doing the work internally, and that's again something to really understand, well, is this because management thinks this, but they don't really understand the two yeah. and making sure that you can really suss out the the life of the user, understanding the needs of the buyer, both of which are your fellow employees.
0: Yeah, that's right. And, when, and with another example, when we think about something as germane as an uh, you know, expense reporting system, or we think about uh, something that helps customer service, uh, handle tickets, right? The mm-hmm. service part of that, uh, you know, who is my customer? Is it the analyst sitting on that help desk answering the the, the external customer's questions? Or is it the, uh, the vendor that is gonna help us implement that, you know, by a particular date? There's, there's getting their heads around that. That is, it's different, right? Um, that kind of leads into what you were saying around buyers. I think this is another key difference. They. Internal products don't have buyers in the traditional sense, but they still have decision makers. Mm. Buyer to decision maker is another terminology shift. That's smart. These are department heads. These are executive leadership teams. And that kind of leads into this next difference, which is price. Uh, You know, they don't, internal product managers don't traditionally price their products, but they could be. Focused on licensing. They could be focused mm. on cost. So it's not price, it's cost. It's it's still you know, an important metric when we think about the profitability of the products, but they think about it more from the cost side of things. But maybe they're negotiating third-party vendor licenses where if they have a off-the-shelf solution that they're bringing in to uh you know help support, for example. Um, so it, it is, uh, and maybe there are chargebacks, another element of this too. So mm-hmm. for an IT budget, there are going to be departments that are going to be charged for the work or the time, uh, if it's not kind of universally implemented across the organization. So they may get involved in thinking about that, maybe negotiating the best licensing deal to, to affect that. But when we talk about list price for our products, mm-hmm. it means something different to them.
1: Well, it's super interesting because when we talk about price, we always talk about willingness to pay, right? What problem am I solving? How big is it for them and what they pay, right? And here, like you you said, they're often talking about cost. It could be the cost. Mm-hmm. Do the co- cost we're offsetting with this solution, yeah. efficiencies we're gaining. I think it's probably a valuable exercise uh, as the product manager for that
0: mm-hmm. to work
1: with the organization, to tie that into the business outcomes that relate to the overall profitability goals of the organization, right? Yeah. So wow. that that the, you know, the the reduction in support calls or the reduction right. in downtime also has been translated and people understand as well. And, and even for your own like mm-hmm. happiness as a product manager, thinking about the impact you're having on the health of the organization, yeah. right? Making yeah. that translation is, I think, a really powerful way and a great way for the business to consistently remind themselves that this isn't just an investment to take away a negative, but mm-hmm. it is an investment that will deliver a positive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Then that that absolutely reminds me of kind of another uh, example of a difference here. When we're doing external product management, we are focused on being market driven with that. that mm-hmm. leads us to getting to know our market and thinking about markets, market segments, audiences, personas. And uh, you know that that feels like irrelevant to my job as an internal product mm-hmm. manager, mm-hmm. and it's the opposite is true. Instead of just thinking about this world of employees, you need to segment departments, business mm-hmm. even, departments, employees in a very similar way. And uh, in, 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 as an example, when we think about a persona, you know, uh, and who should we be researching? I worked with uh, a student that, that gave me the example that they work with analysts within their organization. Their tools are designed to help the analyst. And I'm like, okay, is it any analyst title or is it finance analysts? And, you know, do you have an audience that you're very focused with getting up and running and adopted specifically for a department? Were you trying to do something for more than one? Uh, And it was applying the same principles of market and market segment and audience, but to a a way that, that they don't do that today. And in fact, they used um, HR and role charters and job descriptions oh, in the organization that they had standardized to help them uh, identify who would be the people that they're trying to delight. And I thought it was a really fascinating way of taking the same ideas, but applying it internally.
1: I love that. I love that. And I mean, again, I think you're right. It's easy to dismiss, but well, I don't have users and we're not that way. And you're like, but again, it remains the sort of the 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 linchpin the foundational thing yeah. you need to do to be successful and all the other things everyone wants you to do yeah. uh, and making sure you understand who those pieces are and helping your organization see that right yeah. it's it's often easy for executives it, like the problem looks simple yeah. right it's like oh we could just solve that with x and it, there is there are layers here yeah uh, and helping them see those different things i think also uh, helps uh unlock um expectations and kind of uh opportunities
0: yeah yeah and and Aligning what you're working on to what the business cares about is another area of difference. So when we think about commercial products, we tend to have this language around driving retention, driving awareness and perception, driving revenue, maybe net new revenue. That can also be confusing for an internal product manager. Uh, When when they're thinking about this, it's more in line with initiatives and Mm -hmm. maybe objectives and key results, whatever goal setting framework that they have within the organization. And, uh, you know, often those goals are very granular. They're about a feature by a date, velocity by by, uh, a date. And it's getting them to apply those traditional product management mindsets to tying what they're doing to those initiatives, talking about them in a way that shows value to who they're trying to deliver. Uh, the terminology and how they might think about that, um, you know, might be a little different. Might be a little bit more granular, uh, working in weeks or months versus. Mm-hmm. A longer time frame but the principles of how they should think about that are the same love it i think there's one more that i don't want to skip over here because i think this is more how the rest of the organization approaches an internal product manager Mm -hmm. thinking that they're a resource to just get the job done more execution oriented And that's the pain I hear in class. You know, I get told what to do. My job isn't user research, although I need to try to do more of that. How do you do that? Any advice? Uh, And and it's the same, uh, you know, understanding your market, understanding uh, how you connect the business to that market Uh, and, uh, you know, focusing in on outcomes, not you know, that long list of, of things in the backlog, but what, what matters most as you're delivering value and getting that done. Uh, a little bit of a language shift, but also, um, you know, having a plan that they can speak to and talk about the value that they're doing to show that we're solving the problem. We may be getting there in a different way when somebody is saying, add this to your list. Uh, it's a way of saying, we're doing that, we're going to solve that problem. Here's how we're going to do it. It's giving them a more strategic view of, mm. of that and putting them in a position to defend a little bit the plan that they're working on.
1: i was I was going to ask you. I think there's there's an advocacy for the for product management as we define it that is sometimes needed. it's It's needed with a lot of people who work with, but can sometimes be needed maybe more acutely uh, in some of these internal roles. and And I think any other advice I think, like you said, part of it is, you know, we, I, I, one of our rules is to be, uh, if you want to be thought of as strategist, stop talking about the tactics, right? It's a flip in your conversation. Yeah. Uh, and you meant, you just kind of made that point, right? Like if that's what you want to do, make sure that you're communicating back, not like, well, these are the four, you know, user stories we're completing, but like, here's the the value yeah. we're delivering. Here's the outcome we're producing. Yeah. What What else would you give for advice for people who are listening, who are in this internal product management role and know that they need to advocate internally for, for an understanding of the type of impact they can have and the type of process they should kind of uh, go through. Yeah.
0: I I think this kind of leads into a little bit of where would they, where should they, where should they start, right? And Mm -hmm. it is a surprise. And if you look at the pragmatic framework, most of this applies to an internal product manager, just a different mindset who you're targeting, perhaps your approach to get the information you need. But start by collecting feedback internally and understand, uh, you know, that takes you through the uh, the conversation of uh, getting feedback. And uh, I think another slight difference here, internal products is there's fewer sources to get that feedback. They can mm-hmm. still a little bit more limited you know, for example, there's no app store reviews, for example, right. uh, to be able to go to. But it's one-to-one discovery meetings. It's a Pundo and other tools that are giving us with our digital products feedback on usage and adoption. It is surveys. It is usability testing. I think these are the key areas that product managers of an internal product are getting that, that feedback. Doing it and doing it with the same intent of getting to the why behind that feedback is going to be the platform for any of this other transformation that we've been talking about. And that's and, and I'm just saying as I say it uh, and hear myself here, it's really the same job that we need to do, mm-hmm. no matter what product uh, we are we are managing, but. Uh, It because it is not often part of the job description for an internal product manager, it is more important, I think, to build the culture, get the ability uh, to collect that data more fervently because it is going to put them in such a better position to be able to talk about value or even understand and drive some of these other things. Love that. In in some organizations, I will say also, Rebecca, that it may be easier to get feedback. I mean, these oh, are. Like- yeah, that's true.
1: That's true. Where We're giving you like the and then it may be hard. But you're right. There are times where you've just you, what you have is mm-hmm. a, a really bought in market, right? You're not like I mean, they're, you know, sometimes there's everybody's already on board that they have this problem to solve and. Yeah you know, uh, you, you could be really lucky like we are when you reach out for for feedback. We've got a really active audience to give it. And and I think there's a great chance with an internal product that you could have very similar things. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. exactly. And um, being data-driven in this role, um, mm. working to be less in firefighting mode, more proactive, more more curious around getting to the why uh, is that problem. I, I've also heard in in some teams that the business users don't know what they're asking for. Or, so the role uh, kind of moves a little bit more into the business unit to do that end user research. And uh, and and so students coming to class, how do I do that? That's something I'm not familiar with, but it is exactly the same skill set as if we were going out to those commercially paying customers. This or, or- is,
1: Super interesting point too about being data driven. Uh, everybody should be data driven. But also it's an, another really good reminder for your internal product managers to understand the metrics that your organization talks about regularly, how they talk about them and how they measure them. Because mm-hmm. those are the ones that you're ultimately wanna gonna map to. Right. I mean, there's there's lots of metrics that we talk about in general, but but you you again, you have a a known ecosystem that you're working with. And this is a really important thing for you uh, and and a really important way for, for you to think about not communicating outcomes, but also prioritization. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think on, for an internal product manager, their usability testing can almost be even more important for Mm -hmm. some who have an existing product existing off the shelf, perhaps because it's about staying in play and having a way of seeing how it's going, getting the next wave of feedback uh, to configure, or perhaps take a new version from an external vendor and bring that in and, and get people to upgrade to to a new version. How many times does that that happen as well? But but it's as it it is what we say all the time at Pragmatic, be continuously in the market. Even uh, when the product is out, go take a look at it and, and get feedback in its natural environment. Uh, you know, this This applies perhaps even more uh, with uh, internal product managers.
1: I wonder, I, it's interesting too, because I think that's very true about usability. I, I wonder, sometimes you're going to get, it's like we talked about buy-in, but I could also see a situation with some internal products where it's harder to get stakeholders or leadership to understand why UX still matters, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where they can be like, you know, they have no choice. They're going to have to use it. Let them eat cake, right? Like whatever, the, you know, that gets a lack of understanding there. But mm-hmm. how it's so important for, well, A, to get the maximum sort of results, but B, to get buy-in, to get people to use it, to shorten the time mm-hmm. of which you can get those things. But I, I think there may need to be some extra, um, effort and time in making that connection mm-hmm. of
0: usability. Yeah, I, I, I think this ties back to what management's looking for. They're looking for a different way of thinking from project-based to more product-based and know that product managers who are coming into this, you know, currently project-based role have a a really good skill set of working with stakeholders and and thinking about and talking about the language of a stakeholder. And because you're absolutely right, what's so true about internal products is that there's a lot of strategic navigation working with multiple departments, understanding multiple business Mm -hmm. needs. And in most organizations, this is pretty darn complex to navigate, if not intimidating as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's there's almost more uh, skill set that you're going to get in this really important area. If you work on an internal product, then you might get working on an external one. So I think that is maybe a, a very significant difference and why product management is just the, so important to be able to navigate it. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Uh, any other lessons you would share from both kind of your own Personal history and experience and with all the the students and organizations you've worked with about internal product management.
0: I I, I think that it's becoming more and more important. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. It's so extremely needed in some organizations, right? And when it's really well done on internal products, it's allowing businesses to kind of fulfill their competitive mm, absolutely. advantage to be more efficient. Uh, and remain innovative even. We're working on the right things. It's not just about getting the product shipped as it's marketed, sold and shipped, right? It it is really about how are we supporting. And with so many companies now in a retention model, subscription business models, uh, driven by a lot of different metrics or even converting to that over time, they need to pay more attention to the business uh, support processes. Um, to make sure that they keep those customers as long as possible. They drive up that lifetime value to CAC ratio. So there's, I think there's some things that if the organization is putting a lot of pressure to transform the way they're thinking internally, uh, that's part of the reason why Mm. Um, it's, it's becoming so important. Just like when we first went to SaaS, we didn't have a customer success department in our organizations. But it developed over time, yep. because we needed to stay in touch with those customers and those buyers, so that we could continue to, to sell and show them the value that they're getting out of our products. There's a similar change here. I think it's exciting for organizations. Um, certainly, gives uh, people within the. IT and product realm, the opportunity to do product management in areas that they may not have uh, expected to be able to do it.
1: I also think when you you think about, you know, the, oh gosh, it's unglamorous. It is an opportunity to either be your, to create your company's distinctive competency or at least to enable it, right? Mm -hmm. That's really what you're doing there. We can all think of some organizations where it is their Mm -hmm. systems or their processes that is what separates them from yeah. the competition. Walmart right. is your classic example, right? Yes. But those things are only enabled by systems that were built internally. Yeah. So don't think that what you're doing isn't you know important or glamorous or impactful, yeah. right? Yeah. It is can be what powers your company's differentiation
0: yeah, and to that end, I think product managers across an organization, no matter what type of product internal or external they're working on, uh, they have a common language they should be developing. It's not a different language. It really is a common one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you think about you know the pragmatic framework, we still mm-hmm. want to research those market problems. We still want to think about the marketing plan, how we're we going to communicate it. We still have to sell our stakeholders. We still have to drive adoption of users. We need we need distinctive competencies to drive competitiveness. Uh, because competition is real even with internal products. A business unit could go. I source a completely different product to do the job instead of adopting the one that the organization is trying to standardize on. So there's there's so much that is yes. but the a lot of the differences we have talked about get in the way of people seeing that maybe initially. Um and uh, you know, we have a lot of folks in training that, that kind of come out of light bulb moments, uh, because they start to see they really have a good set of tools to to work with to help them. Yeah.
1: One quick Quick other sort of tangential place to explore. I was thinking about this and I had the pleasure of seeing the, the new, uh, you know, AI for product managers course that we've done. And, mm-hmm. and I was wondering if you had any thoughts on, on generative AI's use for internal product managers versus external, or if there was really any difference, if it was going to be the same type of thing.
0: I think product management and the, the use of AI is, as a job aid is, mm-hmm. is universal, no matter what type of product you're using. But what's interesting is I think that, uh, you know, data-driven, algorithmic-driven products are now on the slate to be enabled by product managers mm. internally. Uh, you know, finance needs a new tool. The sales team needs a new tool. They we want to automate, right? When you think about these initiatives that are driving transformation, and generative AI, algorithmic approaches to it uh, can be some of the solutions to that.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So
0: you know, I'm thinking digital first, mobile first, right? You think about the ongoing accuracy of security and uh, automation, enabling self-service rather than dependency on other other systems. Those, uh, those are areas or initiatives where technology is really... Uh, starting to be applied in a faster way. And I know uh, AI is being talked about in a lot of these organizations, uh, but it's just another platform for getting the solution to the end users with this. I think that uh, within the product management realm, perhaps... Uh, Internal product managers are being faced with needing to be super savvy Mm. on AI in order Mm. to do their jobs. Maybe even before we think about those those commercial products. But I know being really technology savvy is an important part of it for that very reason.
1: That's a really good point too. It's you know as people everywhere explore it, you find opportunities. Being able to capitalize on them and also to help the organizations prioritize and separate Mm -hmm. where there is. Opportunity from risk. Uh, I think you're right. There's there's lots there's lots to do here. So it is a important important place. And I also think for your like this is probably a product management group that will lean even more technical than some of yeah. our other ones.
0: Yeah, as my colleague Will Scott says, yeah. you know we're just in the first innings of this AI stuff. Who yeah. knows who, how it's changing the way we think about it? It's changing where we're we're, uh, we're we're spectators as we participate in it.
1: Yeah, awesome. Okay. So we, Cindy, talked a lot about a lot of different things today related to internal product management. If you were going to have our listeners do two things differently tomorrow, based Mm -hmm. on what we talked about today, what would it be?
0: The very next conversation they have with a business leader, an end user, go in focusing, I'm going to understand the why, not just the what, but I'm going to go in and I'm going to understand the why. You know, apply that pragmatic thinking about understanding the market to each and every one of those conversations.
1: Uh,
0: and I think put a system in place for collecting the feedback that you're getting, whether it is usability feedback, product usage and adoption, uh, and, you know, you know, give yourself the uh, data-driven mindset to be able to do the job that you need to do do yourself a favor. And if you don't have the time to do that, go advocate for, for getting a little bit more time to do that. Uh, maybe there are uh, tools you don't know about, distinct surveys that you could uh, get, get access to, uh, rather than thinking about this as your personal time to have a lot more one-on-one conversations. How can you start to understand and aggregate that value? Because if you create a central repository and you connect Feedback from different users to the the problems that you are uh, trying to to manage, then everything else will become a little bit easier. You'll be able to do that outcome based roadmap and connect the individual releases to that. It will kind of be uh, you know a driver catalyst if you like for becoming market driven. Come to a class, uh, reach out to your instructor if you have some questions on how it applies to you. Would be another thing uh, that we we absolutely encourage you to do, including coming to office hours and saying, I'm an internal product manager and here's what I'm facing. We mm-hmm. yes. to help you connect the dots.
1: Yeah, those office hours are a great resource. Excellent reminder. All right, Cindy, I always enjoy our conversations. I'm always slightly sad when they end uh, because I always feel like you really help me uh, kind of organize my own thinking on a topic and then just bring so many other insights to it. So I appreciate the time today. Thank you. And we'll keep this conversation going with internal products. Yes. All right. That does it for today's episode. Thanks everyone for listening. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career.